It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, rolling on hour number two of Cofield and Company. We're here at Circa. John Von Tobel, Cofield, Demon is in. You know, often we push things to the brink in terms of uh, content and questions up against a break. So yep. just to finish up that topic, um, one of the things that's been uh, kind of big on social media in recent days, one, we did we talked about Miranda Lambert and uh, what she pulled over at Planet Hollywood and the way she treated her fans and then how upset some performers got in backing her and Whoopi Goldberg got all pissed and stormed right. off the view. Um, we just thought it was disrespectful. Um, I hadn't hit on the, uh, the thing with Jason Aldean, who immediately when I see his name, I'm like, he's tied to Vegas forever because he was on stage when the moron starts you know, shooting right. at the crowd. At, uh, at the festival, um, and we were mentioning Jason Aldean with the, this song, Try That in a Small Town, and a lot of people were upset by the imagery. And it's also, it's playing this us-against-them thing, you know, small towns against big cities for profit. And it's more obnoxious now than ever. The, the worst part about this song, first of all, it's not, a, it's not even a good song. It's sort of a ripoff of the theme of uh, Country Boy Can't Survive by Hank Williams Jr. Mm-hmm. And in that song, you know, he talks about, uh, you know, the, the country changing, you know, and it's like the song's 40 years old, right? So it's, just, it's the same theme, but it's like, hey, you're not going to do that to us. And I don't mean to be insensitive when I mentioned Jason Aldean's action up on stage when that tragedy was going on. But I always, I do find it interesting, hey, in real life situations, when you had an opportunity, I'm not sure what the guy should have done. But you scurried the hell out of there, and then now we're puffing out our chest saying, oh, you know, if you mess with us, you know, we're going we're gonna to do something about it. Like, bro, you're not going to do anything, and you're making money off this. Cut it out. But I think that's the path he's taken. And um, I actually I, I, I like the music because I think it's funny. I don't know if it's a bit. I actually think it's, a, it's another guy who's playing that. There's a guy named Creed Fisher mm-hmm. who kind of sings the same sort of songs about, you know, don't mess with us because we're going to get you. Um, and I don't think that helps, you know, around the country what's going on in terms of divisiveness. I think you're just adding to that, and you're like, hey, I'll line my pocket, you know, by being, uh, you know, someone who pushes more divisiveness. Like, really? really? I, that's what I just don't understand. It's like, essentially, you're singing, like, we're going to kill you if you step out of line. Like, yeah. why Like, why is that the well, point? Why? First of all, Jason Aldean, you're going to do nothing. So it, well, your track record is set. What are you talking about? But, they just moved out of their massive mansion in Nashville to the other one in Nashville. <laughs> so they, they're, they're really in touch with their small-town roots. <laughs> well. It's a good way to make money. Like people, people connect with it. But that's uh, what. But I, I don't. I, I, I'll just say for me, um, I don't. I often don't times uh, at times don't watch um, actors, actresses, uh, follow athletes, follow music artists who I know are kind of being incredibly fake in what they're singing about and and kind of you know connecting with the crowd like, hey, this is me. Like it's not you, right? That's You're not believable. How do you connect with a guy whose net worth is allegedly around $80 million who's moving from mansion to mansion in Nashville, right? right. Like, yeah, you're here with us in this small town. Brother, we yeah. appreciate you, it. You do that here. My security force of 25 people will take care of you. That's the other like, part. I ain't, I ain't getting up. Like, you ain't doing nothing. I ain't, because I'm not picking up anything. Then stop paying for the guys so we can, you know, we can meet up, buddy. Like, <laughs> you're not doing it. Uh, big four time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents The Big Four at Four. Number four. We care about all people. We're into lots of different topics. Um, Tiger Woods is one of the more interesting guys to cover because I, I like Tiger. I know he's kind of a weirdo. He's got a bad reputation in Las Vegas when it comes to tipping. 
But I, in some ways, I think he got a raw deal. Now, he, he, he did make his bed by womanizing a lot and not being able to keep it under wraps when he was married. Damon, you sent over a story today. By my take on the story, uh, Tiger actually won because he got he got away from this you know thirty million dollar uh, lawsuit against him with a former girlfriend. You view it as what? This is just more evidence of him just making bad choices. Yeah, th- no, it's not bad choices. This guy just can't catch a break. You want to break up with a girlfriend? Get out of my house! And now she first she didn't want to leave. Then she tries to sue him for thirty million dollars. I'm looking at it from a sympathetic angle of poor Tiger. This guy just can't catch a break when it comes to the ladies. I don't know about this one. I don't know if it's poor Tiger. After yeah, all he's say. been through, like, bruh, you got to have a little better judgment. And by the way, just because the suit got knocked down doesn't mean that he didn't do anything wrong. Like, we weren't there. Sure. You know? I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say I, mean, I don't believe her side of the story. Uh, I, that being said, at the risk of it sounding insensitive, I'd like to get dumped like this. If you read the story, uh, allegedly convinced her to pack for vacation. She arrived at the airport and informed that she'd been locked out of the residence. Woods' attorney, though, claims that he never negotiated any written or oral tenancy agreement with her and ended the relationship with her, arranged for her to stay at a luxury resort and provided funds so that she could apply toward a new residence. Damn. I'll take it. I never got dumped like that. How about All you, Damon? Right. All I got was heartbreak, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> please. Hit the bricks. Here's some heartbreak. Number three. Number three. Uh, golf going on. Goes on all year long, but one of the majors, the Open. Don't call it the British Open. The Open Championship. UNLV's Adam Scott. Not today. That's right. No one here is going to claim Adam Scott. Uh, did he nail someone with a uh, golf ball? Yeah, apparently a, a, a tee shot went a, a little errant, and um, he was actually having some trouble. He was like going. He the first one went uh, out of bounds on the right, so then he had to do it again, and then it went over the fence on the left, and apparently nailed some dude to the point where if you look at the picture, you actually see some like dry blood. But don't worry, Steve. That fan, he got a signed glove from Adam Scott that just said, sorry, mate, with his signature on it. Doesn't seem fair, does it? I mean, look, you sign up for it. We've gone through the legal intricacies of buying tickets, and you know what I mean? You know what you get into. It is the risk. But, like, his head was literally cracked open. And, like, do you wonder if, like, I just wonder what the, was that Adam Scott's like, I just give him a signed glove. Was it like, hey, you know, what can I get for you? Would you like something? I wonder what the interaction was, but it doesn't seem like a fair trade. What if it was, hey, Adam Scott, sign a glove. What? Really? I got to sign. Like, he didn't want to do that. Also, like, just man, sign the glove, okay? I, the look, bare minimum. I know he's UNLV's own Adam Scott. Can I get hit by, like, a John Romball or something? Give me a little bit more oomph behind that signature. You know what I mean? Oh, you want it as a glove? I, like, I want, like, a Rory McIlroy. I want Rory McIlroy to ding me in the head. All right. You know? Because then I'm then I'm flipping that for something. How much are you flipping the Adam Scott signed glove for? Give us uh, feedback on the show six nine one eight seven text line if you want to talk about what we discussed uh, with NIL with Jason Aldean, little uh, Miranda Lambert pop there six nine one eight seven. Keyword is ESPN. Demond is monitoring the text line six nine one eight seven. Number two. Number two. Boy, we can't get enough Colts and Angels material on the show. I love both of them because I also like all of us talking about our fandom. Because we don't all really root for great organizations. That's right. And you root for one that's really quirky. So what's the latest with the Colts so and their alternate uniform? It's part of this big push. It's their Indiana Knights uniforms. Now, somebody first just told me, hey, have you seen the Indiana Knights uniform? I thought it was like Knights as in like Vegas Golden Knights. 
So I was like, what did like medieval knights have to do with Indianapolis? I was so very confused. Uh, but it's like evenings, like after like nights. So it's an all blue uni with black trim and and a black helmet for the Indianapolis Colts. It's not awful. Here's my thing. The Colts have, I think, one of the better throwback uniforms out there. For those who don't know it, it's like an all-white getup with navy blue numbers and a navy blue helmet with dual horseshoes on the back of the helmet. It's a really clean look. And I actually think they might have the numbers on the side of the helmet, too. Where's that been? I don't need Indiana Knights. I know that they're trying to sell new jerseys. I want the old school. I want these throwbacks. Give me the all-whites. Is there any uniform that makes anyone happy? No, never. I, I mean, look, I'm usually a proponent of this. That's why I'm not saying these suck. Like, they'll probably look fine. They're going to look like, cool, especially on Madden. You get another choice, you know, if you're playing the game, whatever. So I'm never going to go that far. Nobody's ever happy with it. I think the only time I've ever seen anybody really be happy was actually when the Seahawks released their throwbacks. You see those? They're bringing back the silver helmets of the old school unis. Like, those are pretty nice. But I've never seen anybody go, this is great. Yeah, I'm looking at the pictures now. Indiana Knights. Oh, yeah. I like the helmet. I don't love the color of the uniform, though. Right. It's like a that, weird. That power blue. Doesn't look Colts to me. No. And, it, and if you look closely, like if you zoom in on some of the pictures, the blue actually has this, like, I don't know what I would call this here. I'm going to flip this around to show you. It's like this cybernetic pattern on it is the best way I could describe it. If you look really closely, there's like, oh wow, you see what I'm saying? Okay, maybe I like it more. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. How close? Yeah. So you don't really make for a nice full, T-shirt. Yeah, you don't get the full aspect of it when you like look at pictures like that. So look, it could be look fine, but nobody's ever going to be happy. Number one. Number one. We cannot capture the feeling. You may be able to at some point capture the feeling today of Washington football fans. Clean break here from Dan Snyder. This must feel so liberating. You because when you when you have an owner like Dan Snyder, John, and and believe me, your your Colts owner is a little wacky, but Dan Snyder's just a bad person. Say, yeah. And just counterproductive. You get to a point you're like, I'm gonna ID as a fan here. We never or we're never going to win. Like it's a it's, it's a hopeless feeling, and then you're you're buying gear, you're getting fired up for the season. It's Groundhog's Day every year in freaking mm-hmm. August, and then you get six games of the season. You're like, why did I do this? This guy is preventing this team from ever winning. Why am I getting emotionally invested in this? It's not as bad, but I am a fan of the Angels. That's what I was yeah, saying. Yeah, Artie Marino. Said, was, you yeah. could be coming for you. Or you, you oh, I think have, you're talking about the Colts. No, you will have yeah. a feeling someday when yeah. Artie Marino finally you know stops with the stubbornness and goes and makes his billions off this team, yep. where you're like. We have a chance now. This is great. I I almost got – I don't want to say I got annoyed. But I was I'm, – I'm with you. Seeing all the celebration and talking to people, like, I just didn't get it. We, you know, Tim Murray, who I work with over at Vison, you know, he was over here, and he's from the area. And he's like, you guys opening the show with Snyder? And I'm like, what? Why? And I see it all over the place. Like, surprisingly, I know a lot of people who have ties to that area and are fans of that team. The, the, the pure and utter joy – that is being expressed on social media to me personally in conversations. You're right. I just I don't understand. I get it, but I'll never. I, I will not understand the level of happiness because I have not been a fan of a team like. Well, kind of not that bad though. You know, doing sports talk radio, you're making bold statements. A lot of times it's character assassination, and That's what I do way too often we say, "Hey, someone's a terrible person," right? And it's based on a couple of stories. 
And then you step back and you're like, well, you know, maybe I'm not seeing both sides of things. Maybe I don't, I don't have the whole story. Maybe they're not a terrible person. I have zero hesitation in saying that Dan Snyder is an absolute creep of a human being. Oh, yeah. Because there's so many friggin' stories. He's just an awful person. And here's the great thing, of, you know, how, and how evil he is. He's not only a jerk to the average fan. He's been a jerk oftentimes to players. He's been a jerk to, like, luminaries of the NFL. Just rude, dismissive, condescending. And I'm going to tell you, and, and maybe DeMond will back me up on this, uh, this is not all little man syndrome. Just because he's the snide dog, you know, the guy who was the little fraternity guy, all mad, they know he wasn't getting took us and all that. It's not all short guys are awful people. Right, Damon? <laughs> I'm so glad that you included me in this, but uh, well, you're, I was... you're, you are a shorter guy. <laughs> uh, we, you and I share the, sh- the, the shortness bond, I hope. I was thinking it's more Fredo energy. I don't there know if that's go. a short man, but it's you're my kid, brother, and I got passed over. I'm smart. <laughs> I can do things. That, oh, well, that, yeah. <laughs> like, that's the kind of energy that he gives me. He's the guy. He's the dumbest guy in the room, but doesn't yeah. think that he gets enough credit for how smart he is. Uh, the great thing is he's the dumbest guy in the room, except that he's now getting sick. He makes out like a bandit. So it's not even like he pays for this. He's, I mean, he was already rich. I will now say. He's going to be richer. Real penalty. I, I don't understand that. I will never understand being short. That's for sure. You don't don't be a don't be a heightist. Get out of okay? here. You and <laughs> not Adam even Hill. that tall. What? But you're you're taller than average. And on this show, six foot. You know, Candy's kind of tall and wispy. Just wispy. let's not. Well, that's it's a good word. Yeah, I don't know. Is. He's he's rail thin. Rail thin. Uh, coming up later in the hour. Welcome in Reno. By the way, we're going to talk to Ken Wilson, the head coach of the Wolfpack. Now back to Cofield and Company at Circa Resort and Casino. On ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. It's a busy day today. We got a ton of interviews with coaches. We can't use all of them today, so they'll be up on social media. We'll uh, do some previews of UNLV football opponents next week as well. So look for that. That's uh, mostly up on Facebook. A little bit of TikTok. No threads yet. No thread yet. Instagram reels every once in a while, and Twitter. Remember all of that. Damon is back in the studio. Cofield, JVT here at Circa as uh, we're one of the last uh, three or four radio shows still going strong. Uh, Pacific Time Zone shows. Yeah. So busy day because around town, uh, right now until five thirty, so you got plenty of time to get over there. Aiden Hill, he of the Larry Johnson jersey at the big celebration. Aiden Hill. Stanley Cup winning goaltender. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe the starter this coming year. He's getting starter money, but he and LT looks like they'll be splitting the duties. Anyway, uh, Aiden Hill is over at uh, Finley Honda in Henderson. Signing autographs, kissing babies. Steph is there from the point. So she's got lots of giveaways and free food from Raising Canes and Buffalo Wild Wings, crumble cookies, while supplies last. So It's a good spread. I want to see a picture. I wonder where they're set up. I wonder if they're set up at my old desk over at Finley Honda. You think it's 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 immortalized, correct? Um, like they're well, like, you don't. Know, the only thing that would be there, and I'm going to do a humble brag here because I was very proud of this. So I worked at that Honda dealership in between radio jobs for like four months. And I'm sure people are hearing it and like, you failed. And I'm like, well, I worked there and then 9-11 happened. And uh, let me tell you, selling cars in September of 2001, not easy. 
Sure. Yeah. People were kind of down, not ready to buy cars. But anyway, um, I want. Do you think they keep salesperson of the month plaques? Oh, they, they have keep to. them. Like, there's probably a big wall, right? All right, go find my name. August of two thousand one. Okay. I still have my copy of it. I was looking through. I was cleaning up my office the other day. A lot of hoarding. Was there a pride? Was there like pride? Did you feel pride? When I think you got I. It? Well, yeah. There's pride. Yes, uh, and I think I got. A, I, you get a little spiff, a little bonus. Okay. Yeah. Were you competitive? Were you like take that, Stephanie? Uh, I don't know if there was a Stephanie. Was I competitive? <laughs> Am I competitive normally? Right. What do you think I was like trying to sell cars? Oh, of course. Like a lunatic. Right. I'd be like, you don't have to be here all day. I'm like, yeah, I do. Yeah. You know, and by the way, in August weather, I was I, I, I was not. I'll say this: I'm not attractive to begin with. I was not an attractive, uh, attractively clothed salesperson because I would run all over the place and I had to wear white shirts. Luckily, I was thinner then because I you just sweat. You Comic- have to be outside. Comically big sleeves on the, the short sleeve shirt and everything like that walking out. <laughs> yes. The tie knot's too big. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it was just short sleeve shirt, and there was, no, there was never a tie yeah. in, in August. Okay. But fun gig. Sometimes. It's a hard job. I have a lot of respect for people who sell cars. But anyway, uh, Aiden Hill's out there until 530 in Henderson, if you hadn't heard about it. Now you have. Uh, 530. Um, and he's there with Steph from the point. I've lost all focus. And this happens when we do roadshow. You know, I'm like very big on a rundown. Uh, one during the break, uh, Angel almost never gets mad. He's calm, cool, and collected. Unless someone comes up and messes with him, he's kind of the guard for the broadcast. But I made a gesture and I just knocked my my uh, cup all over the place. That has a lid, but was the lid on? No. And then you left and left him to clean it up. No, I didn't. I cleaned actually. I cleaned up my whole area. I had a napkin. I was I was cleaning it up. I don't know. I was he, we just don't want to get it on the equipment. I was watching Angel scrub a mess. That he oh, didn't stop! Make. Now, now you just. Come on, he, he, don't come on, don't do that. I don't do that to you guys. Oh, like, do what? Is he throwing I, I, you under the bus? I, mean. I was going to say, yeah, Steve <laughs> never does that. Embellish yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Embellish a little bit. Um, so we got a, we've got a couple of directions we're going to go in. We're going to talk to Ken Wilson a little later in the hour, the uh, Nevada coach. I totally forgot about something that I had observed at Circa. Um, we tried to bring this up on the show a couple of weeks ago, and it, you know, some days. Whoever the company is, some days I shut things down. Um, we wanted to talk about Barbenheimer. Do you remember that conversation, Damon, that lasted about three minutes? And our good friend William, uh, good Fred, good friend William, was just like not into it because he didn't know what Oppenheimer was, and he was, and immediately, as a lot of guys will do, they're like, oh, "Barbie, no, I'm not watching a Barbie movie." I'm like, bro, relax. Too much pink. It's this is a cultural phenomenon. I watched a trailer of the movie. I mean, I'm open to certain things. It does not look like a strong picture. That's have you watched the trailer? And I'm not anti Barbie. I'm who knows what I was doing as a kid. I might have been playing with Barbies, mutilating them. Uh, the SO was telling stories the other day about how excited she was about uh, the Barbie movie, and you know, and I think she was a she's a she's a makeup artist. So for her, Barbie was like, hey, let's cut the hair, let's you know, and just ruin the Barbie. Right. Um, I don't know. Where's your wife on this? Well, she wants to see it. We're going to go see it on Tuesday. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take her. I will say that I, I am more in your camp where I don't understand the hype around it. You know, like when I even first saw the trailer, I was like, I don't understand the concept like, of like what we're doing here or what the attraction is. Well, first, first of all, it's, it's one, of the, what is it, one of the most five iconic kids' toys ever. No, I get that. That's why I didn't really like, obviously, it's a toy. But when I think of like making a movie around a toy, you think of like animated movie or something along those lines. I was kind of confused about what the pitch was going to be. And the first trailer is like super vague. So like you're like kind of watching like, all right, I don't really get it. Um, I will say I did watch a trailer 
inebriated. Like, okay. uh, and I that was, can help. Right. And I was kind of laughing. And I was like, all right. Like, I'm kind of open to watching this. Right. I will say, I think this is such a great example, and we haven't seen one in a while, of the power of advertising. Because I think they have put so much into advertising this thing. You see it almost everywhere. It's trending on social media. What's happening here at Circa? All of these things to the point where like people uh, like want to go see this, whether it's be a part of the experience, whether they actually want to see the movie, whatever it is. I think this is like one of the biggest advertising pushes that seems to have some success behind it. It's it's insane. They've got a giant banner on the side, or is that digital? I think on the side of Circa, I, like a giant Barbie banner. Oh, oh I didn't see that. Oh yeah. I would assume it's a big they've, one. They've got Barbie themed drinks. Yeah, there's four different Barbie themed drinks here that through, I'm going to go through the weekend. Yes, I think that I'm going to go try on order of my wife. She's like, "You got to try one." You don't have to say that. You wanted to try them. Oh, try of course I do. So I kind of want know. to. I kind of want bang, to tomorrow. Bang, actually, bang. but I also got to go home at some point, which is I don't know how strong they're going to be. But no, I do want to try them. I don't want to try like there's one that looks like kind of like a frothy martini type thing. That's not really my my jam right. or the frozen one. But you know what? Look, I got to do what I got to do. The Damon, Oppenheimer thing, I don't Damon, you're very strong on movies and TV shows, and in spite of your very, very negative opinion okay. of uh, The Idol, uh, we still hammered through it, Willie and I did, and we gave it a B. Um, are you interested in Barbie? Did you watch the trailer at all? Uh, I'm not really a trailer person because, yeah, you know, let me be surprised when I walk in there, but I am so all in on Barbenheimer weekend that I have two tickets already. It's a 6.30 showing for Barbie, 9.30 for Oppenheimer, Going on a date, I mean, cannot wait. Wait, is this a yeah, is this a me time here? date or really a date? Oh no, there's there's going to be a woman accompanying me as well. Wow, okay. Wow. How'd you meet? Here Tinder, Bumble. What, what are we talking? You know what? Just a friend. You know. Uh, Who knows? Wait, hold on. No, is it a date or is she just a friend? Okay, What's well, then, you here? know, let's forget I said anything. But no, <laughs> I'm <joking. laughs> I you're stumbling. Yep, I knew it. You know what? I'm going with a woman that I've known for a while. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Okay. After we watch this double feature. Hopefully she's not listening. Oh, like she's listening. No. No 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 chance. You, and you said surprised. you said Barbie's first? Barbie is first, you know, get get feeling That's, all good, feeling all bubbly and then go I see uh I, I, I think you did the wrong order. I I mean, I I just don't see not that I'm real experienced in this and I'm not I'm not in the game anymore. Yeah. Um I don't see Oppenheimer Producing good feelings, good way to close and, the night, and like yeah. leading to leading to any you know. The night's ending with a firm handshake, <laughs> right? Like, I, I think you're throwing your closer too early. Essentially, I think that's what we're doing here to bring this to baseball. I think you're putting the closer out too early, and then you're putting a reliever in a non-safe. Like, you know, he's not used to being in these safe situations. It'll work itself out. Yeah. I mean, this was the it's other confident. person. This was her idea. Good. So, so she wants. So she wants to see Oppenheimer. That's good. Yeah. She's open to it. This is her idea. I want to see that. Because uh, Killian Murphy is awesome. Uh, he was in Peaky Blinders. He's been in a lot of things, but I think he's going to be great. And um, You know what? I trust. You know, we often talk about who we trust, who we don't, right? As celebrities we like, maybe we won't you know, uh, give money to them uh, by watching their shows. I like Matt Damon. I don't know what other people think of him, but I don't care. I like him. And he said Killian did a great job acting in this, so I trust him. How about this story that came across, by the way? Yeah. That apparently... A, a, in a recent interview, Emily Blunt told Extra that Killian Murphy only ate an almond every day to get, like, super emaciated and skinny for the role. And he's pretty thin to begin with. Right. But he did get really thin. Uh, one almond is a, a – that's absurd. That's I, a dumb story. That's, I, I feel like that's a – yeah. Stop. That's, feel that's, like that's method acting, guys. I guess. <laughs> By the way, I also – I find this dynamic – I don't want to open a can of worms. I find this dynamic fascinating 
that there's all this advertising and excitement for these two movies, and it's like Barbenheimer weekend. And then it's like it's like Barbenheimer, Barbie, Oppenheimer. I see it on my social media, and then it's angry actors screaming at camera because of the you know the system. And I'm like, am I supposed to go enjoy these movies? Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, with the backdrop of the strike right. going on, are we supposed to shut this whole thing down? Because obviously, because you sign contracts and everything like that, so like these things are going to go out. It's not like they're going to get stopped. Yeah. But I, I do feel like there's some weird dynamic here at play where we're seeing all of this stuff from these actors and this strike. And it's like, but go watch Barbie and Oppenheimer, baby. Barbenheimer, let's do it. Double feature, Mission Impossible, all sorts of why, stuff. I, why did you do that? You're right. You opened up a can. Right. It's like meat. You know, it's already there at the store. I can't save the world by not eating the meat that's already there. Okay. Well, it's not like the cows well, now, are on strike, though. Like, now, now I'm getting angry because you, you ruined my enthusiasm for this. Um, I might just have to punch you right in the face. And then, you know what? When management's like, why did you punch John in the face? I'm going to be like, it's his fault. <laughs> my does, dad will tweet does, it. Yeah. Does, does that work anymore? <laughs> does that work? Yes, apparently yeah. it does. We actually we did have a fight um, generations ago in the sports department, Lotus Broadcasting. One person hit the other, and the immediate reaction of powers that be were, "What did you do to deserve to get punched? What did you do to him? Why did he punch you? What did you do to him?" And it was like, "Wait, what just happened here?" And now we've got that, that. And by the way, I'm not using that as a bridge to the story about Draymond Green. That really did happen. Draymond Green is trying to pull that. Hey, not me, man. Punch in the face. Jordan Poole. Blame him. I want to build on this because we had a couple of stories come out. And now you're right. Now Poole's family is involved. So who knows what Dr. Dre, Draymond Green, is going to do. Now back to Cofield and Company at Circa Resort and Casino on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, so punch in the face, Gate. I'm not really punching you in the face. That can happen in the workplace. Hasn't happened on this show yet. Uh, Happened in the workplace with Golden State. We all know about it with Draymond Green. Then Draymond comes out and says what? Poole was to blame? Quote. And it's on the Pat Beverly pod from a couple of days ago. Quote, I don't just hit people. Dialogue, of course, happens over time, and you usually ain't triggered by something that fast. So essentially, like, hey, man, I don't just snap like that for no reason. He just kept coming at me. I mean, he kind of does in games. Of course he does. I would love to see if there was uh, days and days and days of lead up. Didn't he just slaughter some guy? Uh, back in Michigan. Didn't he get no fight? I have to look at the location, but I know he, he whooped up on someone. Like, was that like an all-night thing, or was oh, it just, yeah. just I flipped out in the heat of the moment? And But the biggest thing, he's kind of setting up, I'm not sorry. And then Jordan Poole's family came back, right? Yep. Uh, his dad got him at Twitter, uh, got him on Twitter, called him uh, Anthony Poole. I'll say supposedly his dad. Now, we don't know about all these fake accounts out there, but it's been kind of confirmed that it is his dad. Um I'm going to stand on this, he says. That's some BS. JP was his guy. He avoided me all last year. He's a soft he's a soft as B, and I'm standing on this. He didn't apologize to me and my wife. He's lame. Me and him can meet anytime he wants. Oh, wow. Yes. That's going a little further. Of course it is. Stop flexing, come on. Yeah, it, I stand on that. Ten toes down. That's right. To his course, Draymond's got this weird thing that he like. it's all about like men. You know what I mean? He responded with, 
That's so cute. It's impossible to avoid you in an arena for a year. I got my family from that same room. Stop using those words. They usually don't go over well amongst men. Well, he just told you. Meet him. Right. Let's so go. You're, Sign you're rich. Up. You're rich. Fly to where he is. Um, Zuck versus Musk? No. Poole Sr. versus Draymond Green? In. Who is Pool Senior? Have you seen him before? I don't know. Is he a former athlete? Is he gigantic? Uh, he looks like a pretty. He's a pretty big dude. Now I don't know if there's a lot of uh, athleticism there. He's a big guy, hefty guy. I mean, I can see him talking like that though. He right. looks like he's over three hundred pounds. He looks I like mean, he's he, got he some might power. Only, he might be six two. Yeah. Looks like he might have some power though. Hey, what if he, what if he's a former football player? Yeah, you know, like know. a former wrestler. That'd be kind of interesting. That'd be a good matchup, old versus young though, because we've kind of. While I would love to see Charles Barkley be able to beat up Draymond Green, we know he can't. Right. So, I mean, and Draymond Green has backed him down, basically. It, and it's also... And now, they, and now they've worked together. So, like, Chuck, you had your chance to beat the hell out of him. But that's a good point. Chuck's also, you know, pushing whatever he is, 57. It is. I think so there's... It's this weird thing. So, Draymond clearly has never really been too apologetic about this. If, if right. anybody remembers out there, after the incident <laughs> happened on the opening night of the NBA season, they did some weird the doc- faux documentary. The documentary. Where it's like, about like essentially just like it wasn't Draymond's fault yeah. and like his background. I don't know. It was so awesome. It was, it, so it was not his fault. Right. He was the victim. And, and, and by the way, we should look at the Warriors to some extent here. The Warriors essentially this offseason chose Draymond Green over Jordan Poole. Clearly. They sent him Clearly. off. They, they sent him off to Washington. They, they brought in Chris Paul. They gave Draymond, you know, the extended deal. So they're clearly showing some loyalty here. They weren't going to really punish him on anything until the video came out. They've enabled him quite a bit. So this isn't ending anytime soon. And it's just this weird dynamic with Draymond where it's all the time like, hey, men, 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 you know, men don't do that. Men don't say this. Unless the, uh, the NBA is going to just crush him at times with suspensions, why, why should we not expect Draymond Green to just be – a bull in the proverbial china closet just just run roughshod and push everything to the freaking brink in games sure the organization's enabling them the nba is barely dinged them be like i all right i can do whatever i want i mean this is great i mean i'll always go back to it remember bobby portis socked nikola miritich in the face broke his orbital bone he got eight games draymond documentary yeah documentary and that's going to be handled by the team okay uh, three six four eleven hundred. Uh, right now you're calling caller seven. Uh, you qualify for four tickets to an Aviators game. You also have a chance to win our weekly grand prize trip. Ooh, seven day Alaska cruise for two, or you can just take the cash. Three thousand dollars cash. Take the trip or take the cash. It's the Lotus Summer of Fun. Caller seven three six four eleven hundred. Now back to Cofield and Company at Circa Resort and Casino. On ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, back here at Radio Row, talking to all the Mountain West Conference football coaches, and Ken Wilson is in with us. Wolfpack coach, a lot to get to, a lot to get to. Um, first, let's go back to last year and talk about a, a couple of things, and we'll get to the, uh, the Rebels game at the end of the season. But for you, uh, I'm sure you knew going in, hey, this is going to be a season where we're trying to build. So what did you get out of the season? What do you think the program got out of the season in terms of moving to the next step? Yeah, we got uh, a foundation. We got, uh, we got our roster together. We had, we had a lot of games, including the Rebels game, where we, we had a chance to win at the end of the game. So we learned a lot about ourselves. And the biggest thing we learned is that the head coach has got to get better and the assistant coach has got to get better, and we've got to finish those games. And, 
you know, we, we've talked if we, if we learn how to, to finish in the fourth quarter, I mean, we could have a really, really good year this year. And that's, uh, that was a thing that we didn't do last year that, that kept us from having more wins. And, and, you know, but we have a, a more solid foundation. The guys know the culture. We had a really good summer. We, got, we brought in some, some more skilled players to help in the competition. I think position by position we have more competition. Whether that, that means we can, we can blow up, I don't know. But we, I know that the players going to practice every day will be, have to compete harder to keep their jobs, and that will make us better. So that's big of you to say, hey, we got to get better. Um, on a serious note, where like you analyzed last season, where does Ken Wilson need to get better? Yeah, I think I think motivation for the players being yeah. being uh, being better at uh, at having them understand the strengths and weaknesses of each opponent, um, game management, uh, being more with the offense. So those so those guys see my face. I'm a defensive coach by by trade and and trying to put the defense in last year I didn't get to spend as much time with my offensive players and I think that's not a great thing for your for your team when the head coach can't be around everybody you know there's so I mean I I evaluate what I do probably more than I evaluate anybody else and I think that's I'm 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 more aware of that I've got to get better and and that'll make my team better when you have a rivalry that's as intense as uh, you know Nevada and UNLV, you lose the game, you outplayed them. You know I'm, I'm, I'm on the UNLV broadcast crew. I was doing TV upstairs, and you, you guys played a, a good game. You know, yeah. put away the mistakes. How do you how do you use that as motivation moving forward? Uh, positive motivation where you still want to kind of pull out the positives, right. but also you know make the the or, the organization the players know like this cannot happen, especially right. in this game. Right. Well, you got to be honest with them first. Like like that, they got to understand how how uh, important that game is and how you have to finish the game. But you also, like you say, if if you if you know how to win those games and you're in the right mindset and focus and you coach it correctly, you do everything. It's a game that, that we had a chance and, and should have finished, and, and it shouldn't have been that close to be in that position. But, but that's the reality of the game, and that's the reality of building a program, and that's where we got to get better. Well, you guys have a lot of history of winning. Um, before last year was, what, uh, 14 bowl games in 17 years, so I'm sure you're leaning on the culture, yep. on the history. Um, you know, one of the big themes here has been the turnover on rosters, mm-hmm. and uh, there are some programs that maybe didn't need to turn over their whole roster, but they lost a lot of guys because they're getting poached, right? Right. Um, in your case, when you looked at the roster, you're like, hey, we got to upgrade. And then how do you make the decision of how many guys to bring in, how to maybe gently tell folks, hey, there might be a better spot somewhere right. else? Well, we first we gave our guys, what, the guys that stayed, there were 53 guys on the roster when we took it over, which is not very many. We gave them all a chance, and uh, – and then as we go along, we have a player personnel office, and you decide what's almost like an NFL team. You decide what's in the market, at what level, whether it's the portal, high school, JC, and then you make the educated guess, if you if you will, of do you go with the portal guy, and if you do, can he come in and help you right away, or do you go with the developmental guy, and can your position, whatever position that is, withstand having a freshman learn, and can that guy play early or or do you have enough bodies there that you can develop them? I mean, it's a it's a much more intricate dance that you do than you used to do without the portal. Of course. All right, so you mentioned the Pac-12. Um, you needed an infusion of energy and productivity on offense, and we're talking about a football. Ken Wilson's here with Cofield and Company. Running back, 
I mean, you, you brought in some guys, and I'm hoping, or you're hoping, that they're going to be super productive. But tell me about Dollars and also Hayes, because I think that's really important when you get guys to come back to the market. Yeah, so Ashton was a Reno guy. He came back. He was the kick returner. He's really a fast guy, probably one of the fastest guys on our team, if not the fastest. He's a he's young, raw running back, but he's, he's one of the all-time leading rushers in the state of Nevada. It's good to have him back. He's got his his upside is humongous. And then Sean Dollars, the guy that I knew well from being at Oregon, I knew how productive he was. He's a really good receiver out of the backfield. Um, he's got a lot of lot of skill, and he has just not had a chance in a loaded backfield up there to get all the touches that he wanted to get. And he, we're going to give him those touches. And then we also have Jamal Bell, who played more slot receiver last year, but was a high school running back. That's got a lot of skill set. That'll help us out of the backfield as well. And then we got a couple young guys that we like. But I think Dollars and Hayes right off the top, why they won't have the same uh, amount of snaps as Devontae Lee and Toa Tawa did. They have talent and they have game experience. And they're not just putting a guy in that's never been on the field, which we were doing at some positions last year. All right, quarterback position. You got an infusion of you know some new energy there. You got yeah. a holdover. What's going to happen? Is, is it a real battle? Uh, in the fall camp, or are you you leaning toward one person? Well, Brendan Lewis came out of the spring game uh, as our as our number one, and he'll go into fall as our number one. And they still have those twenty five practices, but Brendan gives us a a guy that can get first downs with his feet. He can keep the pocket open. He can he keeps his eyes. He's got fourteen Pac twelve starts, so he's been in in big games. I coached against him uh, when I was at Oregon. He had a really good game against us, and then Shane. Illingworth is coming back and he's healthy this year he played most of last year with a bad hamstring and and we didn't get him till fall camp started that's that's tough duty to be a quarterback in in college football come in and fall camp and be the be the guy so I'm really happy with those two guys AJ Bianco is our freshman guy and then we brought in Jax Leatherwood so that position is much more cohesive and talented and guys in the room Brendan's certainly going to going to come in as a starter but like that's what college football is about, right? That's how hard they worked in the summer, the improvement they made and everything, and we'll see how that goes. But we're excited about those guys. Defense, you feel best about what? The back end right now? Is that is that kind of the most solidified? What, what do you feel good about? I think we get, our two corners are back. They, they started every game for us last year. Isaiah Sassima and Jaden Debman are both back. Richard Tony's back at free safety. So certainly uh, we got some veterans back there. But I'm really excited. Our linebacker core, which was very uh, low on – on plays in college football. We now have Jackson Ledoux from Oregon in there, who's a known guy. Uh, Drew Watts is a freshman All-American. Davion Blackwell's back healthy this year. Naki Matileoma is back this year. So that position with uh, John Thomas and Stone Coons, we we took that position, and it's a very deep, talented position for us. And we've got a lot of depth in the D-line, too. Whether they can push ourselves and get better, We'll see, but I really like the the energy and the and the depth we have at linebacker and what we're going to be able to do defensively with all those guys. Where are you in terms of your gig? Because you guys still need some upgrades in facilities. Like, how close are you to getting to the point where, hey, we got somewhere to practice indoors yeah. in a terrible situation. We're not going to be going to California. So right. where are you? So we're opening a brand new locker room next week. They're going to move into the new locker room. We got a brand new weight room that we open in May. Our field's been redone, so that's all ready to go. The infrastructure around that is there. And I would say on an indoor facility, we are as close now as we've ever been. There are some serious, serious drawings going up. There's fundraising going up, and we've got a plan. And I feel like 
sooner rather than later we're going to put shovels in the ground because for player safety and the climate in this day and age, we can't practice. Like, I can do a lot of things, but I can't practice outside in smoke or lightning, and that's player safety, and we have to have an indoor facility to be able to do that. And I tell everybody all the time, we played at the University of Iowa, who's one of the best teams in the in the Big Ten last year <clears throat> and one of the best defenses in the country, and we did not practice outside the entire week. We practiced in tennis shoes on concrete in our convention center downtown and had to go play a, a Big Ten team. That just can't happen uh, and, and expect to, to, to win those kind of games. You know, that's, that's, that's too much duty on the kids, especially defensively. You could do some of that. Obviously, you can't time up anything. They're they're going out into a game against a quality quality team with no uh, no timing. No, so we have to get that done. And I and Stephanie Remp and and Brian Sandoval, our president, they are really working hard. And and, and football wise, we are doing anything and everything we can. I feel really good about the next step. And you mentioned a really important thing about a minute ago, the field. And yeah. I think kids are pretty savvy, and I'm sure parents are. You know, they come to visit. And they walk on the field, and they're like, "What? what is this? Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm a novice when it comes to yeah. field knowledge, but you know, the couple times I've been up there covering the games, I'm like, okay, this, this one this is a little bit old. Yeah. It's a little yeah. old. It's yeah. gigantic. So, I mean, how nice is the new field? How much Our, bounce? I mean, the players must love it. It's fantastic. And it's the new uh, surface where it has the green rubber down in it, so it's cooler. It's the same, uh, relatively the same temperature as the outside temperature. You don't have the black uh, surface underneath that creates even more heat and it's soft and I mean our guys were the were it's it's it is as good as surface as you can have on the on a football field in this country that our guys are playing on and it's as safe as field as you can have and that's what's important to me well and the other cool thing is that the state's much better off when both programs are excelling and it hasn't happened you know in conjunction very often but that could be happening soon and the other thing is uh, have great options for kids in the state of Nevada to stay home. Absolutely. Yeah, I th- Barry Odom's a, a great coach. I got a lot of respect for him. I worked with his brother for a while, and and uh, you're right. When it's, a, when it's a quality rivalry played the right way with, the, with everybody on the same page and just battling out on the field and playing football game the right way, it's great for the whole state, and we just want to win those games. There you go. Uh, have a great season. And, by the way, we should mention – the UNLV uh, Nevada game is not at the yeah, end of the season. Right. It's in the middle of the year. Are you guys, you guys kicking off some big festivities around that time, which will make it, I'm guessing, more of a hornet's nest for the Rebels? It's the it's the uh, it's the 150th anniversary of the University of Nevada. Yeah, and it's kicking off that whole year of celebration. There that, you crowd, go. <laughs> that crowd will be it'll be a big crowd and frenzies as it always is. Can't but, wait. Thanks, coach. All right. There he is, Ken Wilson, head coach at Nevada. Uh, much more confident guy in talking to him this year. I'm not saying he was, you know, in defeatist mode last year, but I mean, he he kind of knew what was coming. That was a what a, a crazy off season for the Wolfpack because Norvell leaves, makes a, you know very public statements about the school not being funded, then takes a bunch of the players. Wilson comes in, he's got to clean up because then the the portal also gets raided by other schools. They got just beat up on their offensive line uh, by having guys taken in the portal, and quarterback play was just not very good, and then. Worst of all, the defense was just kind of so-so, and then they close out the season in a game they probably should have won against Marcus Arroyo's UNLV team. They outplayed him for much of the game, but just key mistakes all over the place, and and uh, they couldn't finish. Like They got themselves in a position to then steal the game back, and then it got stopped on three plays. Of course. Well, there was also a 
that moment at the end of that game where it looked like there was actually going to be a touchdown and it fell through the arms of a uh, Nevada receiver. But, I look, it's a unique position to be in, especially after what happened with your roster. But watching them up close, like it's a competent football team, and th- there's really good signs of growth and things to build on as they move into this year. I believe in uh, culture and tradition, and it, it doesn't just go away with a new coach. Mm-hmm. Like there are certain things in place that make a program – successful and as i mentioned during the discussion with ken wilson you know they had made a bowl game in 14 to 17 years and i think you know there's it's funny there's a lot of people uh down in this area in southern nevada who you know kind of sneeze at the results over the years with the wolfpack program like 14 to 17 years in a bowl game do you know how good unlv fans would feel about the program should kill for it that's a quality group of five program so now that said Wilson's got some pressure because you know, you can't go through the kind of year he went through a year ago. Their win total is pretty low. I'm not sure right now if I would go over or under. They are going to be better at running back. They should be more stout on defense. And I, you know, I'll give him a lot of credit. He took a lot of the blame himself that it was a learning year for him. You know, he's an older guy getting his first chance. So I'm sure it was a learning experience, and I would expect a better year out of the Wolfpack.